0: The first Bible reading comes from Isaiah, chapter 41 to 11, on page 754. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling in the desert prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low, the rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all mankind together will see it, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out, and I said, what shall I cry? All men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, and the flowers fall because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God stands forever. You who bring good tidings to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good tidings to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up, do not be afraid, says the towns of Judah. Here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power, and his arm rules for him. See, his reward is with him, and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. The second Bible
1: reading comes from Luke chapter 2 and beginning at verse 21. And it's on page 1072 of the Church Bibles. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise him, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was had been conceived. When the time of their purification according to the law of Moses had been completed, Joseph and Mary had uh, sorry, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother marvelled at what that what was said to him then then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too there was also a prophetess Anna the daughter of Phaniel, of the tribe of Asher And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him.
2: Let me pray as we come to look into God's word. <laughs> Dear Lord, we uh, thank you for your love for us, and we do pray that you'll speak to us tonight through the words of these two wonderful older people that we meet in Luke's gospel, uh, Simeon and Anna. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Christmas lights. Christmas lights. Is there someone re- around Currajong that has good Christmas lights? Um, maybe it's your house. Has anyone got a house that's got, you know, as one of my friends said, they've got so many lights on their house they can almost see it from space. Um, have you got one of those houses or anything like that? Um, apparently this guy on the bottom left has 110,000 lights on his house. It's some kind of crazy record. Um, and you see all kinds of things in the Christmas lights, don't you? You see lots of Santa clauses. Uh, someone told me at the morning church today that they heard on the ABC that Christmas is the birthday of Santa. Um, I, th- I thought it was someone else's birthday. But anyway, um, uh, but Santa kind of normally gets top billing in um, the various um christmas lights although this one the snowman seems to be doing a little bit better but you see santa on sleigh and sometimes you see him in other things you haven't even heard about in the santa story like santa on a seesaw i saw santa in a volkswagen uh santa on a bike and then you get kind of random people in the lights Uh, i don't think see anything up there like i see someone's lights and they had peter pan in their front lawn i was thinking what's that got to do with christmas and a penguin um a penguin I had a Christmas cracker this year, had a good joke. Not really a good joke. They're terrible jokes in Christmas crackers, aren't they? They're a step below dad jokes. You know, they're like really scratching the bottom of the barrel. Uh, What do you call a penguin in the desert? Same Christmas crackers. Lost is the answer. What do you call a penguin in the desert? Lost is the answer, okay? Um, So you kind of see all these uh, lights, but I want to talk to you tonight about two people who I'm calling the lesser lights of Christmas. The Lesser Lights of Christmas, and that's Simeon and Anna, as I said uh, when John was interviewing me, these are two people who most probably saw Jesus before the wise men saw Jesus, and yet you'll never see them on a Christmas card, and I'm pretty sure there's hardly any Christmas carols that feature them as well. Although what we see today is when Simeon sees the Lord Jesus, he bursts into his own song the song of Simeon. In fact, I've been doing a series of sermons at my church on the songs at the start of Luke's gospel. And everybody's singing at the start of Luke's gospel. Zachariah sings a song. Mary sings a song. The angels sing a song. The shepherds sing a song. And here you have Simeon and Anna singing a song. And uh, we're going to have a look at a little bit of that uh, as we go through. Now, the Christmas story uh, reminds us that most people were surprised by Christmas, but not Simeon and Anna. They weren't surprised. They were expecting Christmas. But most other people in the Christmas story seem surprised, don't they? The shepherds were surprised. They were overwhelmed. You you would be too, if angels showed up and told you, Quick, go into town, into a stable, find a baby in a manger. He's a newborn king. And they were surprised. King Herod was surprised and angry. Uh, But he was surprised, wasn't he? He wasn't expecting some other king to be born in his realm. But two people were not surprised that Jesus showed up. In fact, Simeon, when Mary and Joseph bring the baby Jesus to the temple for his presentation, they're waiting for him. Um, Here's a picture of Simeon. Did you realize they had cameras back in those days? Um, Here he is. um, And in that way that sometimes older people do, just grab the baby, you know, and praises God is in some way the Lord has said to Simeon you won't die until you see the coming of the Lord's Christ the coming of the Messiah the promised king from the Old Testament so Simeon had it revealed to him that he wouldn't die until he saw Christmas effectively and that's what happens. so when he sees um, Jesus in the temple he races up to him grabs the baby and bursts into song bursts into song now Joseph and Mary go to the temple courts and we're told on the eighth day was Jesus circumcision there might be a couple of things going on here Mary's purification and Jesus presentation but all of these rituals from the Old Testament are being fulfilled Jesus fulfills the Old Testament we're being reminded in Luke's gospel here and when you presented your firstborn son in the temple you would make an offering and normally, you would offer a lamb. But if you were poor, the law said you could bring two small pigeons. And Joseph and Mary bring two small pigeons, which makes it clear to us that Joseph and Mary were poor. They didn't have a lot of money. But do you see the beautiful irony? As they bring their son to the temple, they are bringing a lamb, aren't they? The lamb of God who will take away the sins of the world. Forget about the pigeons. This is the lamb who will take away all of our sins. Um, And he's presented at the temple. Um, And there's something to sing about, something to sing about. God is going to rescue his people. That first Bible reading we had from Isaiah 40 reminds us, comfort, comfort my people. Your hard service is finished. Your sins are paid for. The consolation of Israel has now happened. And so Simeon says, my life is complete. And the first words of his song are, effectively, Lord, I'm ready to die. I'm at peace with you. All is fulfilled. Um, are you ready to die? Are you at peace with the Lord? I hope you are. You should be like that, a at, at Christian at any age, whether you're 80 or whether you're 18. You should be ready to die in one sense. Um, as a minister, I have opportunity from time to time had, um, where people actually call you to literally their bedside when they are dying and want you to pray for them Um, and every minister's probably got half a dozen stories about people who unexpectedly ask you to talk to them about having peace with god before they die let me just tell you about one i got a phone call one time a nursing home near my church and the sister said please come and visit this man he's um very close to death he's got terrible emphysema every time he breathed in it hurt just talking to him took a long time And the conversation was literally painful for him. And uh, I walked into the room. His name was Percy, an older English gentleman. And I said, I'm here, Percy. What do you want? And he said, I want peace before I die. It took him about five times longer than that to say the sentence. Okay? I want peace before I die. And we talked for a little while. And he told me that um, he'd lived in Australia for 40 or 50 years. But he had a brother back in England, back in the UK, who was a Christian, and he had peace in his life. And that's what I want before I die, what my brother had or has. Um, there's going to be two brothers meet in heaven who are probably going to be really surprised that they've met each other. Um, Percy and his English Christian brother, who hadn't seen him for 40 or 50 years, who probably had thought, my brother's just never going to turn to the Lord. And then two weeks before he dies, he finds peace with God. How cool is that? You know? I went back and saw Percy a second time, took him to the Lord's Supper, said to him, Percy, do you want to say a prayer? And he said, yep. And he said, dear Lord, thank you for peace and please take away my pain. He lived for another two days, went to heaven. How cool is that? Um, I've got another five stories like that, but I won't bore you with them now. Um, but how cool is that, finding peace before you die? And Simeon effectively is saying to God, now dismiss your servant in peace. I'm ready to die because I have seen the Lord's Christ. I've seen this baby presented at the temple, and he has all of the hopes of the world upon him. Simeon saw three things in this baby salvation a sign and a sword let's think about them one at a time first of all salvation simeon praises god that in jesus he sees god's salvation not simply the consolation of israel but god's plan of salvation for all people if you've got your bible still open verse 32 and 33 says a light for the revelation to the gentiles and to the glory of your people israel and isaiah has been telling us this all the way through his book as well God will honour Galilee of the Gentiles. Those who have walked in darkness will see a great light. In Jesus, we see that God came to save every nation upon earth, even Australia, even the Hawkesbury is part of his plan of salvation. How good is that? God came, the Christmas message is that Jesus came for all nations, all people, and you see that in Jesus' birth, don't you? Eventually, I think after Simeon and Anna, the wise men show up, who are three foreign kings, aren't they? And Jesus, baby Jesus, is surrounded and worshipped by, amongst other people, foreigners, to help us be reminded that Jesus came for all people. Who else shows up at Jesus' birth the very first night he's born? Shepherds. Now, because I'm out here in Currajong, your country people, you understand about sheep farms. Most of you milked the cows this morning, didn't you, before you came to do other things. Is that right? Is that how it works? And anyway, whenever I see Sean at a clergy conference or any of the other clergy come from semi-rural areas, I say, who's milking the cows today? Who's looking after the farm? You know, um, just wind them up if I can. Um, but the shepherds in the first century, who were they? It was lambing season. The farmer would put on extra staff in lamb, lambing season the shepherds were seasonal workers. They were like backpackers or gypsies. They would move around from job to job during the year. Some part of the year they might have been picking fruit, literally. In spring, in lambing season, at the start of spring, they were working with the farmer, with his sheep, watching over the flocks by night so that none of the newborn lambs were lost. Because they travelled around a lot, shepherds were considered kind of people of no fixed abode you know they didn't have a permanent address and in first century Israel they were considered unreliable people to give evidence in court did you know that if you you know had an accident on, on the road you know ran into someone with your chariot or whatever and you needed someone to be a witness to the crash if you was a shepherd who saw the crash wouldn't work out so he's so well in court okay couldn't give evidence By the way, who else couldn't give evidence in a first-century Jewish court? Do you know who else? Women, okay? Who were the first witnesses of Jesus' birth? Shepherds. Who were the first witnesses of Jesus' resurrection? Women. If you were making this story up, you would have done better than this, wouldn't you? Like, why would you make shady shepherds the first witnesses of Jesus' birth and women the first witnesses of his resurrection? Why would you do that? And the answer is because it was true, wasn't it? And it also shows us that God includes everyone, doesn't he? No one misses out in God's new scheme. Everyone's included. Uh, I once did a Christianity Explored course with um, a guy very skeptical about the evidence in the New Testament. And he said to me, if, if God wanted to prove the resurrection or anything else that happened in the Bible, he would have got Jesus to do it in front of a high court judge or someone so we could know it was true. Um, Well, that's not what God did, did he? He had shady shepherds at Jesus' birth and he had women at the resurrection. That's, That's God's economy, isn't it? That's how it worked. So salvation, next thing is a sign. Simeon says to Mary, your son will be a sign that will divide people. Some people will build their lives on Jesus. Other people will speak against him. And the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed by this child. And nothing is more true about that than around Christmas time. Same was true in the first century. People like Herod sought to kill Jesus, didn't he? Other people just were indifferent to Jesus coming. But Jesus divided people. Other people built their lives upon Jesus and they were forever changed by his coming. Nothing has changed today. Whether it's 2018, last year, or now 2019, Jesus has the same effect of being a sign in our age too, isn't he? Some people speak against him. Some people build their life upon him and are changed by him. Um, in the um, Sydney Morning Herald, just before the um, <coughs> Christmas, there was an editorial, and the particular author had such a negative editorial towards Christianity. I, oh, I actually contacted the Archbishop's media advisor, Russell Powell, um, who I know a little bit, and said, can someone take this woman out for a cup of coffee? I mean, that she's so cranky against Christians. Someone's need to reach out to her with a bit of pastoral care, you know? Um, and uh, I tried to do a similar thing when I was the minister on the Northern Beaches, the Manly Daily, our local paper, which did actually come daily. It was Tuesday to Saturday. The editor of that was having a big bang against Christianity one time, and I wrote him a letter and said to him, did you feel better after you said that? <laughs> um, would you like to have a cup of coffee? And um, a young journalist from our church who was also working at the paper set up the meeting, and I had three cups of coffee with him down in Manly and started talking to him about Christianity. And and I think sometimes people, part of their anger against Christianity, they don't actually know many Christians. They don't actually meet a real-life Christian very often, you know. Um, and part of that is our fault. We don't speak up, you know. Um, they've done surveys where they reckon two-thirds of people in Sydney don't think they know a Christian. That's not true. They do know a Christian, but they just keep meeting undercover Christians, you know, where we kind of go through life at work and in our families, sort of like, you know, James Bond, 007 Christian, where we kind of keep our Christianity hidden. Um, but a lot of our non-Christian friends out there don't realise they're actually meeting Christians, and then we need to be a bit more upfront about that, don't we, so they can actually meet someone and and understand a little bit more about what it is that we believe in after all our calendar is divided in two by the birth of this man so we might as well know more about him the last thing is a sword he, simeon says to mary that a sword will pierce your own soul too simeon saying that your son will suffer and so will you as you follow him jesus brings salvation to all but it will be a costly salvation And we know that Jesus was pierced for our transgressions. He was uh, bruised for our iniquities. A sword was stuck in his side upon the cross, wasn't it? And Mary, his mother, and all of us who follow Jesus will walk the road of suffering as well, the way of the cross. But Jesus invites us to follow him. A friend of mine posted on the internet recently, just sort of thinking about Christmas Day. You know how we have two public holidays in a row? Christmas Day. And what's the next day called? Incorrect, St. Stephen's Day. Did you not realize it's St. Stephen's Day? Your church is called St. Stephen's for crying out loud. Do not use the word Boxing Day ever again. It's St. Stephen's Day, okay? And isn't it interesting that you have celebration of Jesus coming into the world, And the very next day, we remember the first martyr of the Christian church, Acts chapter 7. Um, In fact, think about the apostles. I think we think out of the 12 apostles, one of them died of old age. All of them went to early graves. And the one who died of old age was the apostle John, and he spent the last part of his life on the prison island of Patmos. So he was in jail. He was still alive, but uh, most of them went to early graves. As we meet Jesus and follow him, the birth of this saviour, we realise there's a cost in following him, isn't there? And think about that, Christmas Day and St Stephen's Day straight afterwards reminds us of that. So there's Simeon and notice that brilliant picture up there. See the manger with the shadow of the cross over it? We can see from the very beginning that there's a short distance between Christmas and Easter, isn't there? Anna comes into the picture, another octogenarian who finally adds an extra dimension to the story. She, like Simeon, has been waiting for this first Christmas and her response is to give thanks to God. She's filled with thanks. She sings a song of praise. Are you someone who likes to sing out loud? Got something to sing about? Is there any people here singing in the shower? Um, My old Sunday school teacher went on a bus trip through the United States many years ago got to the Grand Canyon, got to the lookout, immediately burst into song. How great thou art. I'm not sure what everyone else in the bus trip thought, but I think that's cool, breaking in a song. And in one sense, that's what Simeon and Anna are doing in this whole thing. They're singing songs of praise and thanks to God because Jesus has come into the world. And she's not just singing songs of praise by herself. She's rushing around the temple courts, talking to everyone she can about this baby who's been born, born to be king. And again, a great reminder to all of us, we should be people of thanks and people of witness to others, shouldn't we, as we take the message of Jesus to others. So two people, Simeon and Anna, you've probably never seen them on a Christmas card, You've probably never seen them on Christmas lights on someone's front lawn. And as far as I know, they're not in any Christmas carols except for one that I think is close to the idea. Charles Wesley wrote a Christmas carol called Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. And uh, we're going to watch a contemporary presentation of it up on the screen in just a minute um, and listen to the words of this carol.